This is Fun Fact, the Genuine Radio Program. <laughs> wow. Fun Fact. You cannot, in fact, have your cake and eat it, too. I mean, I, I this has been my experience, is needing to choose. But then there's the saying. It's possible that this was already obvious to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. But I mm. have always struggled with this particular idiom. Yes. And I wondered if others might as well. So it wasn't the intended meaning, which punny, fun, you know, ridiculous fun fact aside. The, the meaning of the idiom is, I think, very clear, which is that you cannot expect to have the best of both worlds. Right? Like, you can't, you can't expect to have everything. Is that... But, like, is the idiom you can't have your cake and eat it too? Or is the idiom... Somebody gets cannot, to. You can't have your cake and eat it. I thought it, it was that you. Some. Like, I thought it was slightly worded differently. Typically. No, it's you can't have your cake and eat it. Sometimes eat it too. Okay. Okay. And it confused me because I was like, what else do you do with cake? Mm-hmm. Why would you not eat it? If you have cake. That's one of the main things you would want to do. Like, top eat it? three things you'd yeah, do with cake. I understood the meaning, which is like, oh, they want to have everything. They want to have. They, they can't. You can't. You can't have. X and Y. You can't. You can't have both of those. You got to have one or the other. But it always confused me because I was like, "Why? Why would I not eat the cake?" So uh, anyway, I looked it up, and it turns out that uh, what I was missing was that it is using a somewhat archaic version of what "have" means hmm. to mean retain in one's possession. Is that so? Archaic? What the phrase is? I think so. I, I feel like I feel like in this context. Well, so it's basically trading on the fact that. My my confusion, which is not an unusual confusion, hmm. is uh, basically around the fact that have, to have in English, is overloaded. Okay, as many things in English and, and personally. Yes. The, the problem is that this, tra- this treats on the ambiguity of the word have in English, which can mean to keep or to have in one's possession, but can also be used as a synonym, synonym for eat. Like right, like if I'm breakfast. having ice cream right now. Yeah, you're having Having there's an active verb where the yeah. ice cream is going into my mouth and being so if you have So if you have cake... And eat it too. Yeah, I'm having it. I'm eating it. Why would I not do that? Yeah. What is the problem? But in fact, what it means is you can you cannot simultaneously keep your cake mm-hmm. and also eat it. And I feel like we really should go back to the older version of this phrase from like the 1600s era. Hmm. And what was that? Which was a man cannot eat his cake and have it still. And that's very obvious. Which we would update obviously for gendered language. Sure. But, you know, even if you swap the phrase. Often in history, for most of the recorded history of this phrase, it was actually said, you can't eat your cake and have it too. And I think that is much, much, much more clear. As opposed to you can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Hmm. Because if you can't eat it, you've already eaten it. Now how would you have it? Yeah. But if you have it, you're eating it and you're eating it. So why would you not be able to eat it? <laughs> right. Almost like a garden path, the ordering that you hear the sentence interpret- changes right. the interpretation. And it was the other way until the 30s or 40s. So that's pretty recent. Yeah. Yeah. Amazingly, to me, as a sub-fun fact, Mm. using it in this 30s and 40s anachronistic fashion, you can't eat your cake and have it too, helped catch Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Uh, I think I saw something about this. It was like one of his isms. Yeah, he used it in his manifesto. Yeah. But once they suspected he was the guy, they found that he also used it in a letter to his mother. Right, and it's a pretty odd phrasing. Yeah, the 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 forensic whatever who testified was like, this is not a thing that people commonly use. I so I guess it, it, the lesson I learned is that if you 
uh, are trying to write a terrorist manifesto and also other regular writing, <laughs> don't use old variants of things that of old timey phrases. Yeah. But I don't know what this says about my own self-perception, but I feel like I would fail really poorly at the guess, like the attempt of like, okay, now write in a way that no one could tell it was you. Like, I feel like my writing is very quirky and idiosyncratic and I follow a bunch of like kind of, I sort of, I know that you're technically not supposed to write this way or that way. And I, I feel like I would be a very poor. Don't write a terrorist manifesto. Terrorist. Yeah. I don't. Or at least don't do it anonymously. I guess I could funnel it through GPT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just write this, write this like the style Kaczynski, of a normal. Yeah, or sure. Be... <laughs> write in the style of the person I'm going to frame for this. So of course, uh, all of this fun cake-related research mm-hmm. led me to another awesome Wikipedia list, Woo-woo! which is the same meaning in other languages. Like, like, like how do they say the equivalent? Someone wants to say, hey, you can either have something or consume it, not both at once. How do you say that in other languages? Yeah. So the, the Hebrew for this, and uh, apologies to my mother, is, uh, <laughs> which means it is impossible to hold the rope from both ends. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, which, which begs a little bit of like assuming the rope is not a certain length. What? Because you could just hold on to both. It was a really short, short rope, distance. yeah. But I'm sure, yeah. I, yeah. There's been then. Then there's the German one. Apologies to my wife. <laughs> Man kann nicht auf zwei Hochzeiten tanzen. One cannot dance at two weddings. Right. Da da da. At the same time. Although I have to say, I prefer the Yiddish version, which okay. I will not attempt to pronounce because I don't speak Yiddish. Mm-hmm. But is you can't dance at two weddings with one ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like more specific. I, I, yeah. I dig that one. That's my that's my favorite so far. So that's my that's the category of languages I speak. Then there was uh, fun ones in languages I don't speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very very long list, but I picked out a couple of my favorites. There are two Indian languages, Sinhala and Telugu, which where you can say desire to have both the mustache and to drink the porridge. <laughs> which two things in con- con- conflict. Yeah. yeah, there's the Portuguese version, which is. Wanting the sun to shine on the threshing floor while it rains on the turnip field. Uh, eh, eh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe my personal favorite, which is the Italian version, which is very, to me, Italian, of to want the barrel full of wine and the wife drunk. Wow. <laughs> which is just kind of amazing. But as I was looking through this list, so I found, I found ones that were fun in languages I spoke. I found ones that were fun in languages I didn't speak. Then I found some that I just don't understand. Okay, maybe I can help. And I'm hoping you can help me. So I picked out two of the ones I just don't understand. Okay, what's the logic here? How does this equate? Yeah, yeah. so the Chinese version is, hmm. you can't have both the fish and the bear's paw. Okay, I'm just going to go out on a limb. The first thing that comes to mind is that maybe the fish is bait for catching a bear, hence the bear eats the fish, but then you capture the bear and get its paw? Yeah, I thought, I pictured the bear catching the salmon. In its but paw then and if you it. got the paw, you would also have the fish. yeah. I think proves it wrong. I'm going to say, uh, as, a, as a distinguished scholar in Chinese historical sayings, <laughs> I'm going to say it's that the fish is bait for the bear. Okay, next. The fish is bait for the next bear. Next mystery. Yeah. There is a language from southern India called Canada, and they say, desire over rice, love over relatives. Desire over rice, love over relatives. And that's meant to be an equivalent to it's you on this list. Cake and eat it too. I actually know a Canada speaker, so I should ask them, and maybe we could follow. Yeah, up. we but might like, be able to get some subtlety more. But out like, of what it. is what does that mean? 
Yeah. It's it's very poetic. Yeah, it's very poetic. Like, I like the, it's vibe. I don't fully know what it means. Yeah. The, the, I'll leave you with the Turkish one. Hmm. Neither giving up one's lover nor oneself. Neither giving up one's lover. Like, you have to give up one of the... Oh, that's, Neyardan like, geçer neserden. I mean, I, do, I don't you know what that have means to either. give up yourself in order to... I, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know what that means either. And I just, <laughs> I love it. There's so many. And by the way, this list has like, I don't, a lot. Yeah. So this is a this is a thing that humans find the need to convey. Yeah, and some of them are very obvious, just so literal you know? that they're not. And some of them are extremely inappropriate, and I'm not going <laughs> sure. to say them. On this Even the podcast. one about the barrel of wine, I feel like, got some problems. Yeah, is borderline. That was that's problematic. There are ones that are so far beyond that yeah. that I would never have said them on this podcast mm-hmm. but they are this is a great list we'll put it in the show notes and uh you do a little you know, world tour all, there you know i'll peruse it on your own yeah but you can go to i think basically every content continent represented here so pretty pretty great pretty great stuff nice i will also leave you with this in recent times there is an expression in the uk which is cakeism and cakeist okay and they both come from uh <laughs> The UK's approach to Brexit. Oh no! Where, where, then Foreign Secretary, future disgraced Prime Minister Boris Johnson, <laughs> said that I've never been an outer. My policy on cake is pro having it and pro eating it. <laughs> and as Prime Minister, he described the post-Brexit trade deal as a cakeist treaty. Right, and and, yeah. and that actually, you know, not being an expert, but my understanding of Brexit was very much it was like no, 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 no like. It's going to be great. We're going to have everything. It's going to be great. We're going to have our cake and we're going to eat it. And then they they did not, in fact, ha- they, they did yeah, not have not their cake or eat it. Yeah. Is my understanding. There was less eating and there was less having. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for that tour. <laughs> I've got a good news fact. Oh, well, great. Because I feel like my fact was fairly positive. Yeah, let's I think that's great. Let's keep, keep the positive. Yeah, let's keep the positive vibes, vibes going. going. Uh, fun fact. Pandas are no longer endangered. Ah, you know what? I saw this and it made me so happy. Yeah, this is something that went by in the last couple of years in July 2021. It was announced there are now 1,800 individual pandas in the wild. And so Which they I have to say still feels like not that many. Well, they're still vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right? This is the, not, this is where we get into this. It's <laughs> not like a panda hegemony across but, the oh, planet. Here's what I love yeah. about this is Yet. that you remain on taxonomy corner. I'm I'm on Texas. Oh yeah. Well, hmm. I, I'm because not going to go into the definition of what is and isn't a panda. No, anything, it's but. not that what is or isn't a panda. It's the taxonomy of what is or isn't. Uh, like there is a hierarchy. Uh, a hierarchy, yes. Yeah, of endangered, and then you get to vulnerable, and then you get to like what concerned yeah. or something. So I'll then- I'll definitely admit that I something about my brain finds taxonomies interesting like yeah i don't think anyone's surprised the idea that. that there's some stuff in the world and we should categorize it and and all agree about how we might label it and refer to Agreeing it so that we can all talk part. about you know, well yeah yeah that's part of it um but yeah so there is a there is i guess a taxonomy there's a classification system for how endangered things are and endangered is actually a specific range of uh of risk um, but as panda uh, populations have been growing, um, they actually also, along with pandas in July 2021, a great white sharks and lions also uh, left. The I didn't know lions were endangered. endangered. Neither had I. But apparently, you know, they that there's had actually been. a level above endangered. 
as in like it's even more yeah you can be critically yeah, endangered. critically yeah endangered, which is like which I, it's the worst it's the worst yeah uh, very yeah. much uh on the their, their way out when they get to that stage yeah but i saw the thing about pandas to my understanding is that it is very they are not great at not being endangered yeah they're they panda suck at life which i think we've talked about before on the show but like i believe so they yeah. have like one child at a time and then often don't take very good care of that child they eat nothing but bamboo which has almost no nutrition they don't like mating that much yeah they they yeah they don't tend to mate they don't tend to eat anything with nutritional value um they're and like the pandas that have been like raised because they've been having both um wildlife uh, i should say um having habitat restoration and also this breeding program and apparently the breeding program has just been a disaster like you can't get the pandas to breed even when they do breed often they don't survive if they do survive if you try to introduce them into the wild then they die in the wild like the breeding program not the thing that saved the pandas it's been habitat restoration so the bamboo forests have been protected and expanded greatly so that's what is what is absolutely wild to me about pandas is that they are they like you said they only really pretty pretty much eat bamboo right so you would think they're a herbivore but they're actually not like in theory they could eat meat but they just don't No, no, they are absolutely a carnivore they have the Uh, digestive system (laughs) of a carnivore and carnivore specific genes which is why they get almost no energy from the bamboo and in fact when a when a panda is born they don't even have their they don't even have the right bacteria to digest vegetation they have to get it from their mother's feces great so just everything about pandas is like what are you doing but they're just so cute but they're very cute they're a charismatic megafauna arc and so they've been saving them them. and everyone loves it the world wildlife federation's logo logo is a panda i used to have that on my on my debit card that's how charismatic they are they're so i mean they are my second favorite panda animal (laughs) after red pandas which are after red pandas which are holy moly are adorable and are unfortunately still endangered we're working on it we're working through the pandas so cute Oh, they're not even related to pandas. They're like pandas are bears pandas, and yeah. red pandas, I think, are raccoons. But like, they're just so cute. I love them. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy to hear all of this. Yeah, I feel like I should have some in-depth, hard-hitting additional information. But I'm just like, hey, pandas. Well, I'm, I'm guessing I knew more about pandas than you expected. Uh, no, I just wanted to make sure everyone knew. Because sometimes no, I'm, just, I'm guessing good I knew happen. more about pandas than yeah. you expected. Yeah, but not everyone. I'm sure we have at least one listener who's like, I didn't know that. That's cool. And this show is for you. I thought it was for me. No. <laughs> no, all this time. <laughs> no, all this show time. was just for me. <laughs> no, no. Well, I should really get out of the business of editing, releasing, and <laughs> shepherding it out into the world. <laughs> no, it's for the factors out it's there. It's for the factors. We, we love you. Uh, so I don't have a panda-related fact. Well, we do you have a good vibes fact? Do you have a happy... Related fact? Uh, well, you tell me. Okay. Okay. Fun fact. I used to tell people that English had only one gendered word. Hmm. It turns out that isn't quite true. Hmm. Hmm. So, first of all, let me start here. Alan, do you know which word in the English language has a semi-fixed gender? No, I don't. And I believe you, you brought this up around when we were recording our last episode. We saw each other in person and you mentioned this and I was so excited and and sort of intrigued by this. I, I think I encourage you to save it for the show. 
You did, and I saved it for the show, and now we're here. And so gender, you know, uh, of course, languages like French and Spanish, many languages, that most of the words are gendered, or maybe all of them. I mean, English in general, words aren't gendered. Right. For the most part, you just say the thing, not. That's right. Um, So what word in English has a mostly fixed gender? And I think the thing I said was a ship, like ships. And it is a ship. It's like ships in general. Even, yeah. Even when a ship, ship, yeah, ships, even when a ship is named after a man, mm, right. like the Bismarck, right. we would still typically and historically refer to it as she. Yes. She, the, she set sail for the first time, the Bismarck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, when I was discussing these gendered words, and specifically ships, I was naively assuming that what we were discussing was grammatical gender. Okay. Which is the practice of assigning a gender to things that do not have a biological sex, like ships. Yeah, that's right? what I was interpreting and, and your meaning as. you as. pointed out, yeah, and as you pointed out in French, very common. Also common in German, which actually has three genders, masculine, feminine, and neutral. Mm-hmm. English had grammatical gender in the old English era, but hasn't used it since at least the rise of, like, say, Middle English, let's say 13th century. By modern English, completely gone. Middle English, sort of there, dying out. By modern English, so we're talking late 1500s, like Shakespeare era, completely gone. What English uses instead of grammatical gender is something which is called, quote-unquote, natural gender, Hmm. which means that we use gendered words when the thing we're discussing is assumed to have a gender. Right. So if we're talking about a woman, we would use gender for that. We would use gender for that if we were talking about a man. Uh, But we would use a neutral gender, like For everything else. Yeah. For discussing mostly inanimate nouns. Yeah, you know, is is mostly what we use it for, but anything that doesn't have a biological gender. Yeah, but then then there's this additional pronoun for like they, which is being increasingly used for something that doesn't have a gender but it has personhood. Right. So uh, uh, I again, I didn't call out which uh, natural genders we were using. So they would then be a natural gender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just would be a non-binary one. Right. Uh, these days there are more than two natural genders in English. Yeah. Uh, but. Sometimes, and actually not just for ship, uh, we subvert the natural gender. Okay. And what that means is we use a gender that is not the natural gender. And this mostly we use a biological gender or a, sorry, we use a natural gender like he or she typically for something that does not have a biological sex. So we'll say he or she for something that would normally be an it. Like like if it was a like really... A ship. A, like a really cute mushroom you really like look at him yeah exactly and when we do that it's called metaphorical gender okay which is such a great term that it led me to share this entire fact with you because i just love that term yeah so metaphorical gender is applied to sexless objects or abstract concepts right to personify them because Mm -hmm. we want to show strong emotional involvement Mm -hmm. so in a situation like that mushroom or if you loved your car or a ship it might feel to you too cold. Right. It might be like, ah, that doesn't, that's a distance from this thing that I love. Or if I was writing about like the blacky void of impermanence yeah. that, that I was contemplating, I might personify. Yeah. Okay. We might have to have a conversation after yeah. this about that. Maybe he stared but, deep into my eyes. Yeah, we or might something, wanna, you know, let's, is it, something you Alan, would do I for I think this is a rhetorical. cry for help. <laughs> but, uh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody okay. has a personal void that they name and gender, right? 
But because we don't have grammatical gender in English, you can personify which w- with whatever gender you want. So this mm. would be harder in a language like German. Oh, interesting. I thought about it that way. Right. And so, for example, my canonical example here would be something like Siri, which some people refer to as she, some people refer to as he, and some people refer to as it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which, way, which way do you go with Siri? Uh, I would tend to say she or maybe they. Yeah. So I, my personal Siri is a British man. Hmm. That's the voice I chose. I have an Irish woman. I think I did change it to an Irish woman at one point. I really liked that one. But for many, many years, it was a British man because I thought, I don't know, that's a butler vibe. Mm-hmm. Apologies to all the British men out there who are not butlers. There you have it. Gr- metaphorical gender, which is just, I just love it. I feel like metaphorical gender it should be like the name of an entire other podcast. Uh, at least. Maybe a band. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like a movie by Jean-Luc Godard. There's a a Twitter account back when Twitter existed. I don't think that such a thing exists. I've never heard yeah, of this. Yeah, I've never thing. heard of this. What thing. do you mean? And an alternate dimension. In the Gaping Void, there was yeah, a thing that's called Twitter. That's definitely in the Gaping If your Gaping Void is called Elon, I'm totally yeah, then on that board. that would make sense, right? Yeah. There was an account, uh, I think it was called Every Gender, and it was... Oh, yeah. It would, I, I don't, didn't default directly, but I often would see entertaining retweets of uh, the many, many, many... Uh, options that could be filled yeah, into yeah, that yeah. slot. That was amazing. Yeah. It's like, you know, the the three genders are like, you know, unspecified. Like it was well, yeah, this there was, weird form. There was that right? one. There was the one that was every gender, which I think it was just like the gender of the day is purple or the gender of the day is delightful. No, no, or I mean, whatever. But then there's also, yeah, there, put... yeah, UIs on yeah. often government websites that, yeah. where it would be like which... uh, gender, male, female, Guam, other territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and you're like, and you're like huh okay yeah <laughs> my gender is guam yeah. Those, but then there'd be like the only option and like yeah, every totally. once in a while the list would actually offer all like kind of like a reasonable sub- subset that 99.9 percent of people would be satisfied to choose yeah. from the genders but often yeah. it would be like uh male female and then some other random some database garbage weird yeah. thing that was yeah. just yeah being pulled pull from some table yeah yeah all right i love it um is that is that a, a is it feel good vibes fact i don't know i, I feel like it's neutral i think it's, I, it's I feel like it's neutral i think too. all facts have a slight positivity because it's like well i just learned a thing and that's good yeah but no but that one feels very neutral to me uh maybe because i'm used to speaking a language with three genders <laughs> This may or may not also strike you as as a good. So you tell me whether you think this is a good thing or neutral, or you kind of dislike it. Okay, I feel like because this, this is about is this is about all humans. Oh, okay. Fun fact. Yeah. The majority of the bones in a human's body are in their hands and feet, unless that human is pregnant, in which case the majority of the bones in their body are in the uterus. I'm going to call shenanigans on that. Okay. It, it, that is relying on a very funny definition of in. Yeah, like in in the definition of, the, of contained inside. by. Yeah, contained by. But yeah. the bones. There's no your, connecting bone. <laughs> that's right. The, the bones of your fetus are not your bones. But I that makes sense. That's, uh, is that a good, well, it involves a baby. So I like that. That's positive. Uh, is that kind of a neutral fact, I'm going to say? Yeah. I, I, think, I feel like we should rate all facts. Okay, all facts are going to be rated on their vibes from now on. On their vibe. So I would say neutral vibes on that one. But okay, so. That's a lot of bones in your hand. Yeah. So each each foot has 26 bones, and each hand has 27 bones. Okay, I was about to say feet are not hands. There's only one bone difference? There's, Wait, hold on. 
each each hand. Okay, because I was like, wait, we're at an odd number. So each hand has twenty seven bones. Yeah, and each foot has twenty six. What? Okay, so feet and hands are similar. Mm-hmm. They're most what? of the bones all twenty six of the twenty seven. Yeah, what's the twenty seventh bone? The extra hand bone is the pisiform, P-I-S-I form. That's um, a cool word. Which is uh, in your wrist, uh, on the uh, with inside uh, kind of little knob on the corner there, uh-huh. is what a kind of sesamoid bones, sesamoid like sesame, which are these okay. t- these small circular bones that exist throughout your body. There's, you have a bunch of them. The biggest one okay. is your, your kneecap. But these okay. circular bones that muscles and tendons sit on kind of to work like a pulley. And there's little ones throughout your body, especially around joints. Uh, and we have one of those in our hands, but not but in our feet. Why don't you have it in your feet? Well, feet of humans are fairly adapted in, in, uh, well, our hands and feet are quite, our hand and feet are quite divergent compared to the, the, you know, front and rear equivalents in other mammals. Yeah. Um, and so our hands and feet are quite specialized. So the way that the, the motion, if you think of like if you put your hand, uh, your finger, I shouldn't, I'm showing you in the video, but they can't see the video. We've just started recording the video recently. <laughs> yeah. 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 On the eighth Patreon, totally existing <laughs> Patreon, you can find the video. We thing. are never um, doing that. You can often figure out for those sesamoid bones, you can yeah. often figure out their purpose just by putting your finger on them and moving because they're okay. generally, they're a pulley and a mechanism um, that you can see, oh, okay, this, it feels like this tendon or this part of my ligament or something is running over it. And so presumably uh-huh. that equivalent ligament in the, the uh the foot did not need that extra support in order to make it do what it needs to do okay so the answer to my question is you don't know oh, i don't know like in detail <laughs> why that's all super interesting but i'm i would love to know if you if you if you want to do a follow-up fact why we don't need that pulley for our feet what is the movement that our hands need to do or you're saying it's not a specific movement it's just that the movement needs to be supported maybe because our hands are not typically resting on anything i don't know i mean your hand has a lot more range of motion your wrist has way more range of yeah motion you can't than your that's ankle. what i thought you were gonna so say so that's like it, it's some specific aspect of that that's I made see. for okay. less need for these okay all right sesamoids. that's pretty cool uh it is wild though that you say that hands and feet are so specialized from each other and i wouldn't disagree with that and yet, 26 of 27 bones are the same. Mm-hmm. And that's that even extends out to other... I think we may have talked before about how horses, um, they, where their bones are of their leg and foot don't match up to where you think they would. <laughs> uh, yeah. In in the fact that our rear, or our legs, like our uh, hips and knees and all of that, are all analogous to horses legs but because we sit on what we consider our heel um horses actually sit like on their on their tippy toes basically and their heel is the um if you if you if you think about how a horse if you draw a horse's leg it kind of the leg bends what it seems like backwards to the way ours bends but it doesn't actually their knee bends the same direction as ours it's the thing that their leg is reversed no, it's not reversed. It's the the fact that they're you know how if you draw a horse's leg and there's like a joint that sticks out the back? Yeah. That's like their heel bone. Imagine them standing on their tippy toes and their heel goes halfway up their leg. Wee. And then their their knee is like the big front haunch 
kind of near their groin. But they're always on their tippy and toes. Then, so tiring. Yeah, they're, it, their butt is like up way in there. It's like, it, if you just look up a horse bone diagram and for, because you have to learn, that, like for art, yeah, so there'll yeah, be a yeah. bunch of diagrams. The, all the, the positions of each joint in their leg are just way higher up. Whereas we have a lot of the complexity of our uh, sort of toe to hip system is way weighted way, much further down the leg than most animals. So my understanding is that the reason that when a horse breaks its leg, there's really very little you can do is mostly because uh, horses will not rest their mm-hmm. leg when they break mm-hmm. it. But I wonder if it has anything to do with that particular difference as well that'd be interesting maybe i mean horses legs are precision engineered things uh yeah that's what i'm learning mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. yeah i mean wow. they've been very well um selected for that and not like survivability of like bricks and things like what that. was the name of the thing that the the pissy something pissiform pissiform this thank is the you, extra piss- bone thank you to the pissiform yeah for making our wrist do what it does for make, yeah thank you very much so there's one little thing i wanted to just um sort of draw a line under there which is this thing about that the majority of your bones in your body are in your uterus if you are yeah. pregnant yeah if you're pregnant um and i was slight oh and also um thanks to hank green who put this fact on my radar he has an excellent tiktok if you like facts and don't know who hank green is then uh, i'm here to let you know yeah and best wishes to him because he's going through a rough time yes but. um so uh, when I heard that fact, though, this from from Hank Green, that the, if uh, somebody's pregnant, the majority of the bones in their uterus. I mean, that seems obviously think, true. Well, it didn't seem obviously truly true to me because I would think that would make half their bones be in their uterus, not the majority. Uh, because the, okay. because the adult has a full set of bones, and then yeah, the, the, the baby, the, the baby would have a full, have set, a full bro- set bones. So why wouldn't it be the same? Because a baby has almost fifty percent more bones than an adult. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that's that's terrifying. How is that possible? So, so for example, the most famous example of this is also one of the more extreme examples. Um, so, babies' bones are often in parts to facilitate yeah. growth, and then they fuse together as they, the growth okay. goes down. Yeah. So, the, a baby's yeah. skull, like we have one skull bone. A baby has 44 separate parts. There's like the big parts on the top and then there's apparently there's a bunch of other parts and they fuse together over time. Yes. And so babies have 300 bones where uh, adults have like 200. Yeah, this is another definitional trick in a sense because they are – we're just deciding what designates something as a unique bone as opposed to, you know, later on when they fuse together – when two things fuse together, are they one new thing? Are they two things that are fused together? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, but, the, the bone of Theseus is, I think, the, maybe exactly. the point you're getting at. But yeah. they, generally, they would, um, if two things have formed se- as separate things that are not fused together, even though they're capable of being fused together, then they're being yeah. considered to be separate bones in the anatomical I, sense. I love the term bone of Theseus, although I will point out that nothing's being replaced, so I don't think it's technically accurate. Well, although there is that, like, your cells always term. replace themselves thing. But, but your bones don't replace themselves. Well, the cells that make up your bones do. Ooh. But is deep. it still your bone? Very deep. <laughs> well, unrelated to that, <laughs> unless there's more you had to say about this bone. No, subject. you just now have to rate whether or not you're glad, or did you do that already? Did, well, we I did rated that at the beginning. It? Okay, we rated it. Okay, yeah. it's rated as neutral. Yeah. I just want to do a quick follow-up from last episode. Hmm. We were talking about the parts of a boat. Yes. And Larboard. I said that, that that you were steering with the keel of a boat, hmm. which is definitely not true. No, okay. 
No. No. It's the tail of a boat. Right. The keel's just like the bottom of it? The Yeah, the keel's just the thing at the bottom. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Okay. I definitely so, said that. Tip for all the factors out there. If you're steering a boat, don't steer the keel because you're, not, you're, not, not, you're not, not doing it. They're going to all laugh you off the boat. You're not using the keel. The keel, which comes from the old English keel, uh, which just meant ship. Oh, okay. And then the rest of the ship just grew out of there. Yeah, I guess so. It's just the bottom most structural member that you build the hull of a ship around. Sure. It's like the center line from the bow right. to the stern. The, the but, sticky uh, down part. I definitely was not what I was talking about when I was talking about how you didn't have, they were using a steering oar because they didn't have tills. And I said keel. Hmm, okay. Just, just, just wrong. So I thought I would, no one, no one called me out on it. <laughs> Being right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge. It's a burden. I think that should start the show when we edit it. <laughs> this completely context free. We cut this part out. We put that at the beginning and I think we have a show. Mm-hmm.